Brad, are we live? We live. We're live. What up, Jay? What up, Jesse? How's it going? Going good. Yeah. I mean, I said, what's up to Jay, and it's Thursday. Yeah. That means this is Roots to Grooves. But Tuesday for the people. Tuesday for the people. We yeah. record on Thursdays, though. Yeah, yeah. Fun uh, behind-the-scenes fact. Behind-the-scenes fact. Um, yeah, a lot going on. Yep. Pretty stuffy in here, I think. Very stuffy. It's hot outside. The yeah. Blue Angels are flying around. Yeah, you might hear some uh, really loud train. What? I was going to call it. <laughs> I think words jets. are a challenge today. Yeah, I know. I was feeling, yeah, words are a challenge. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. We're on the same wavelength, though, so we'll get through it together. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we're talking about fun. Fun. Yeah, we've talked previously on this uh, podcast about laundry, <laughs> cleaning or something. Like that. Yeah, dry uh, cleaning. Dry cleaning. And now we're talking about fun. Yeah. <laughs> the so, band. Oh, but the band. The band, fun. Not yeah. just the concept of fun. Well, maybe, yeah. Well, we'll yeah. see, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see. Fun period is technically how, how you spell it, is that right? Yeah, lowercase fun period, because it's stylized, written out that way. Yeah. I, I was thinking, are we calling them fun, period, or is it just fun? Fun, just period. Fun. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but this is a cool, cool story. Yeah. You know, so... Um, let's just start from the top. They're making like Baroque pop. Yeah. It's, you know, kind of reminiscent of like Queen a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Kind of theatrical yep. pop. Yeah. Um, mixed with their first album. They have two albums out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. From uh, 2009 and 2012. Yep. And yeah, it's kind of indie rock mixed with pop. Yeah. And the first album was a little bit more indie and the second one was a little bit more pop. Mm-hmm hip-hop influence though also you could say yeah um as we'll get into it but some very cool music some very talented musicians mm -hmm. um there's three people in the band we got andrew dost keyboardist nate roos vocals jacking off <laughs> guitar and drums did you say that on purpose yeah, well, he said yeah. his name real fast. What? How do you say it? Jack Antonoff. Oh, okay. <laughs> jokes. Jesse's got jokes <laughs> already. Uh, he, he, guitar and drums. I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but Jack Antonoff is a huge producer. Yeah, I didn't know. I still don't know his name. Well, I know his name now, but I didn't know. Yeah. Really, that he was such a big deal, which we'll talk about mm -hmm. as the show progresses. Yeah. But yeah. um, but they're all from different bands, basically. Yeah, yeah. So. And, and we'll, we'll get into that, I guess, at the, after this next song we play. Uh, what, yeah. What else we got for like... Um, well, I mean, as fun, they got pretty huge. And I kind of mm -hmm. want to say a disclaimer here because after searching around a lot, I think a lot of fun fans might discover this video or this podcast. Mm -hmm. I just want to put a disclaimer out there. You're probably not going to learn anything you don't already know <laughs> about fun. Uh, we're just kind of recapping for... I didn't know about them, which is strange. Yeah. But... Uh, but they were big in the 2010s. I say that they got mm -hmm. two pretty big tracks that most people would have known and still continue to hear today, this day on the radio and TV and films and yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, they were absolutely massive. They won Grammys, right? Didn't they? As yeah, fun. they won two Grammys from yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Some Nights. Yeah. Um, we Are Young. Yeah. And I think they had another one, Carry On. Mm -hmm. But there was like, there was five singles from that. From that album, Some Nights in 2012, yeah. and you know, two yeah. of them or three of them were absolutely massive, yeah, yeah. and everyone's heard them. 
I yeah. think, you know, so that's what we're kind of talking about. But I was listening to uh, me and my cousin were talking about fun. I don't know. It came up and we were like, what's what's the story? They were a huge band. Right. Yeah. And then what happened to them? Yeah. yeah. Like, where'd they go? Yeah. Like yeah. no follow up album after that massive. Right. Yeah. Great album. Yeah. yeah. And so we listened to the album. And we we're like, this is pretty good. Mm -hmm. So what happened to the what happened to fun? Right. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. That's kind of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, what else you got? Yeah, like you said, Baroque rock, Baroque pop is mm -hmm. what they say on there, which is kind of people describe that as like rock. Yeah, like you said, I think earlier with like elements of classical music and like theatricality. Mm -hmm. I kind of, I think about a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, I decided to randomly listen to the first David Bowie album. Mm. If anyone goes and checks out David Bowie's first ever album, it's kind of like this. It's very like sort of like medieval, like medieval, theatrical, weird, totally not what David Bowie went on to sound like, but it reminded me of that, the genre kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of whimsy, they, they say sometimes as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, Whimsical. And yeah, I was listening to the first fun album and I got like a mishmash of like definitely Queen vibes, mm -hmm. Elton John vibes, even a little bit of Smashing Pumpkins and a bit of Meatloaf. Remember Meatloaf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the and 70s, not, stuff, stuff like that. Yeah, not super familiar with Meatloaf, but yeah, definitely yeah. know the name. Um, so, yeah, I, I that was kind of the vibes I was getting from the first album. And then... I yeah, might just be yeah. biased. I was getting some shins as well. Shin, yeah. Kind of the, the song songwriting. Okay. You know, uh, yeah. the, the melodies. Yeah. Just really kind of swimming around. Yeah. Interesting. A lot going on in the songs as well. Yeah. I haven't heard much of the shins, so, yeah. I wouldn't get that I, comparison, I think. But I recommend yeah. them. Okay, I think yeah, they're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. They're in like my top five. Yeah, nice. So, yeah. So this this band had a big come up, yeah. big album. Yeah. They disappeared. Yeah. We want to talk about what happened to them. Yeah. So let's uh, play another track, and then uh, let's get into the story. Let's do it. Dog was the name of that track from Fun, period, from their debut album, Aim and Ignite. Aim and Ignite, 2009, right? Mm -hmm. Long time ago. Their debut album. Debut album. One of two. Yeah. So, should we uh, go back in time a little bit? See where these guys came from? What? Real quick, do we have a quote of the day? I don't. Oh, okay, we'll pass up by. <laughs> we'll just pass that section. Okay, we're not doing it. Yeah, I don't know. Tune in next, next week. Music is great. By Jay Purcell. That's a quote of the day. Cool. Yeah. It's going up on the wall. Yeah. So uh, now let's go back in time. Yeah. Okay. And so I don't I didn't look into the histories of the individual mm -hmm. members of the band. Yeah. Um just because I was I was more intrigued by the story of what they were doing together and the story of fun, period. Okay. Yeah. Fun, you know. 
We yeah. have to say period every time, but you know what I mean. I can give you some brief highlights on each member. Yeah. If you want to hear it. Nate, uh, born February 26, 1982. Um, he, uh, his uncle was a guy called John Roos, who was a performer on Broadway and was a heavy influence on Nate growing up musically. Uh, he moved to Arizona in 86. He had pneumonia as a child, which was pretty bad. Um, uh, there's a track uh, called The Gambler. I'm not sure under which project or whether that was a fun song that he wrote that was specifically about that kind of thing. Uh, he uh, started playing in punk bands when he was in high school. And he's not a musician, right? He is a singer. Like, he doesn't play any instruments. Yeah, so. uh, yeah. Totally. Apparently, uh, he, he said he wasn't one to take lessons for singing, so he used to go sit in his car and play um, any sort of music from a vocalist that might be really hard to mimic, he said. Turn it on as loud as possible and trying to hit all those notes. Mm -hmm. That's basically how he taught himself how to sing. Um, then after that, uh, 20, 2002, age of 19, he formed the band The Format, which was his band that he had before yep. uh, with his best friend, Sam Means. They were together for a while. I'm not sure how many albums they put out. I think only two, uh, again. Yeah, not two, yeah. Uh, they had some label troubles, I think. They ended up splitting up. Mm -hmm. He said he was bitter about that originally, but like after the fun, the fun project went along, he kind of looked upon it as uh, with fond memories and also realized that it taught him a lot about how to do everything in music. Like, Yeah, uh, I think for that second format album, the, yeah. the label was reorganizing mm. or one label was becoming another label right yeah, yeah. um some kind of thing right there's some kind of transition phase and so like yeah. it didn't really hit yeah um you know commercially yeah or critically and yeah. it was kind of you know nobody knew about it, it wasn't that great yeah. it didn't have a big reception is what i'm trying to say i didn't listen to that music yeah. so maybe it was good yeah, yeah but i'm just saying reception wise it, it wasn't yeah. a hit you know no but they did go on a lot of tours um with, uh, uh, was it the other band that uh, Antonov was in? Is it? Yeah, Steel Train. Steel Train, yeah. I think so, they toured together, right? Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so that's basically where the story, as far as I'm saying, starts right. for fun. Yeah. Basically, Jack Antonov was in Steel Train. Mm -hmm. um, and Andrew Dost, I think, was in Anathello. Was that his old band or was that his new band? I think it was his old band. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I think all these guys were basically in different bands and they met on tour. Yeah, yeah. So that's how they kind of formed the connection. Yeah, they said that their fans would go along together, to, you know, uh, they'd play like a lot of sports, I think, like uh, dodgeball and stuff like that mm -hmm. <laughs> to try and, you know, pass the time on the road. And they kind of bonded that way, I think. Like, yeah, yeah, total, totally. Yeah. And then so basically all their bands um, started to fall apart. Yeah, yeah. They were breaking up for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, and specifically, um, Nate's band, Yeah. the format broke up. And so he was like, I'm starting a new project. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I got these buddies, Jack and An Andrew, yeah. and I'm going to call them up, yeah. get them together, see if they want to make this, do this project with me. Right. And they did. Yeah, yeah. And so they started working in New Jersey mm -hmm. um, on the first fun album. Yeah, I think a bunch of those first fun album songs from Aim and Ignite were songs that were meant to be on format. Mm, okay, on the format. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, next album that never happened. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so he kind of you know used those for the the new fun stuff. And they, so he was. Uh, I don't know. I guess that that's the story that I got. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also, I think they said when they first started writing together as fun, it was a little bit hard or something like that. They said like like they were trying to. They said the first songs they did weren't good and they had to like scrap them kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Even though like Nate said in one interview, he still liked some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think it was like, because they were sort of nervous about working with each other and uh, sort of trying to impress each other a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I think they sort of worked through that as they got towards the end of writing that debut album. And then it was totally like resolved by the second album. They said they'd figured out what everyone's roles were and how to sort of work together kind of thing. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, so Aim Meeting Night dropped in uh, 2009. Yeah. And I listened to that one. It's It was good. It, it came, the reception was like moderate critical success. Okay. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Um, so it, it was received pretty pretty great. Yeah. Generally a success. Yeah. And they toured behind it. Yeah. Didn't they, was it with this band they supported Paramore? Finally? Yeah, I think it was with this, okay. yeah. with this album. Yeah, yeah. Which is a big deal. I think they went to UK as well, right? Mm -hmm. some gigs yeah. yeah um yeah they i think they toured with jack's mannequin yeah i haven't heard of have you heard of him mm -hmm. or them yeah is it a band or a yeah it's another band that's <laughs> kind of got that kind of baroque theatrical mm. vibe to it but it's kind of yeah similar-ish indie pop mm -hmm. um so it is along the same same vein right i would say yeah. but i'm not intimately familiar with jack's mannequin yeah um yeah, I don't know. I think so. They had like the first track from Aim and Ignite, and they put it up on on MySpace. Yeah, back in the MySpace days. Yeah, I think their first release. Uh, what did they say? It was a demo song that they originally did. Benson and Hedges, which is a track on. Sorry, Benson Hedges. Benson and Hedges is a cigarette brand in the UK. So I don't. Oh, know, is it? I don't know where Benson Hedges comes from for them specifically. But uh, it was uh, that was the first single they put out they put it made it free it was available in spin magazines article on the band which came out in 2008 i think and then the following year they put out the album yeah 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 so it was pretty good yeah um yeah i don't know basically they, they toured behind it yeah and then i think they switched labels yeah uh fueled by ramen right is that the label they ended up on yeah that They've come up a few times. I forget mm -hmm. off the top of my head who else has been on them, but we've covered a few artists from that label. I believe they're right. Yeah. Yeah, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Yeah. What artist we were talking about. Yeah. Um, but their their second album, which is kind of the main story that we're talking about, mm. Some Nights. Yeah. Um, came out eventually in two thousand and twelve. Yeah. And that was on Fueled by Ramen, so that kind of served as their, you know, transition. Yeah. So they said uh for this one. Because they, they sort of mentioned a hip-hop influence on this album. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said... So they recorded this album in March. I don't know what year. 2011, maybe, or something like that. Uh, but they, Nate said, like, the November before that, he was starting to sort of think about the hip-hop influence on these songs that he was thinking of. Yeah, he was listening to, like, Drake, Beyonce. Yeah. Um, you know, artists like these. Uh, Kanye West. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, he uh, was looking specifically through the linear notes of like the Kanye West album and the Drake album and he was trying to like sort of see like similar names and there was one name that kept popping up which uh, this producer Jeff what's his last name Jeff 
<laughs> uh, Jeff. Old Jeff, boy. Uh, I didn't have that written down, but yeah, he, Jeff. He worked with with Kanye. Yeah. Um, I feel bad about that. I have to find his name now. Man. Jeff. We didn't even write that down. Oh. Okay, we'll, cut this we'll, out. We'll, we'll we'll find it in the uh, next track when the next track plays. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he had a, he we'd worked with a lot of like hip hop. Yeah. You know. Done artists. a lot of Kanye West stuff, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they uh, Nate had the story, and it kind of bleeds into how that track, one of their most famous tracks, came up. We are young, I think, which uh, featured Janelle Monae on the on the album. Uh, I think that was like the first song he worked with with that producer. And his story was basically that he was driving into New York City, and he had this melody in his head for this song. Um, and the lyrics and he was like sort of trying to figure it out um he ended up meeting jeff for dinner uh i think he got a bit drunk he said and, and jeff was like do you want to hear some of the beyonce demos that i'm working on mm-hmm. like, okay <laughs> so he sure. goes, goes to the studio and listens to this like unreleased beyonce demos tracks and then in that session uh nate decided to start singing uh the melody for we are young to him stopped jeff in his tracks he really liked it and he said two days later they went into the studio, made it, uh, and apparently they spent a really long time in there. Like he uh, left the studio at like five in the morning. Like he said he was really super amped up and excited about what they'd created in the studio. So when he got like, he, he sent the, the track off to the other two guys in fun, went to sleep for like three hours, woke up like phone Jack immediately and they were all like hyped about like how this turned out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think from there, that's how Jeff like got involved in producing the rest of the album um, uh, with the other guys all writing and providing the instrumentation and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, which is, um, I don't know, do you know how we got in contact with him? Uh, I know that Nate was said he, in the no, that November before they recorded, he was staying at his parents' house in Arizona and he was just had lots of phone calls with different producers. So, I feel like it might have been with the help of the label. Like, you mm-hmm. know, here are some desirable people I'd love to work with. Like, can you get their contact details? You know, right. see if they're up for a chat kind of thing. Um, so I know he definitely spoke to a few different people. And I guess he didn't even know he was going to work with Jeff until that night when they had drinks and played music and he sh- shared the idea with him kind of thing and mm-hmm. just kind of knew it clicked from there. And I guess after that initial studio session, Maybe even up until that point, they might have been looking at other producers, I would assume. Like, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jeff eventually said at some point, I think there's a quote from him saying that he, he was really excited about this album and how everything was sounding to the point where he said it's like the best stuff I've done yet. Which is crazy to say since he works on a lot of Kanye albums, but I think because it was different, because he'd done so such a long time working in the hip-hop world, that working on this album with Fun was like a different sort of you know sound right yeah like more poppy or something like that yeah so yeah. give him an opportunity to be creative yeah and yeah. you know try something new as well yeah and so basically it was it's a pretty awesome album we're about to play some nights mm. which is the title track basically yeah. and so we can all get the vibe Pro- probably most people have heard it but it is a pretty great track yeah i think it's gonna it's probably gonna stand up as like one of the greatest tracks from the 2010s mm. you know yeah. i don't know would you agree i think it's pretty oh, prominent yeah, i think so yes yeah. 
it's a very memorable song from that era. Yeah. 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 Pretty poignant. Yeah. Here Give come the Jets. <laughs> Give it a spin. Some nights I stay up cashing in my bad luck. Some nights I call it a draw. Some nights I wish that my lips could build a castle. Some nights I wish they'd just fall off. But I still wake up, I still see our ghost. Oh Lord, I'm still not sure what I stand for. Some Nights from the album Some Nights by Fun 2012, produced by Jeff Basker, found his name. There it is. Uh, fun fact, uh, apparently Jeff Basker's dad is Ravi Basker, who has been the mayor of the city of Socorro, New Mexico for over 24 years. Very weird. That was the fun fact. But Jeff Basker was uh, one of the primary Kanye producers, worked on 808s and Heartbreak. And my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, which is the album I think that Fun really cited multiple times in different interviews as being a big inspiration on them mm-hmm. like for this album. And yeah, yeah. So he's—I mean—he's amazing. He's worked on some seminal albums for yeah. some big artists. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of a dream come true for for you know Nate and Fun. Yeah, yeah. And they got to work with this super awesome guy. Yeah, and this uh, this album, you know, the other track we, we aren't playing it, but it's. it's I actually recognize it more than some nights, which is We Are Young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, arguably um, that one's even bigger. Yeah. That one, I think, is where they won their Grammys. Right, yeah. Um, I think they got, like, Record of the Year and Song of the Year. Mm-hmm. I think they won a Billboard Award yeah. for it as well. Um, that one was, yeah, it was, like, you know, debuted on the on the charts at, like, number one or whatever. And it's been all over lots of different TV shows and films as well, so... It, kind of seeped into pop culture that way, I think, you know, a lot. Yeah. You know. Um, is there a tempo shift in that song? Did you hear it? Do you remember a tempo shift in that? There's one story of Nate, oh, was, Nate talking about a tempo shift in one of the in songs. In the final right? track? Is it the final track on that album? I can't... I'd, <laughs> no, I, I don't... I heard him talk about working with Jeff in a moment in the studio. I, know, I didn't catch what track it was, but basically he was saying that he had this chorus, which was uh, like the hook kind of thing. And then he realized that the verse that Nate had written was like a faster tempo kind of thing. And so he told Jeff, like, you know, no, we should make, we need to change the tempo here. And apparently Jeff was like, what? Like how? No, it's like the, t- the track's this tempo. He said, no. <laughs> but then he said the other guys weren't in the studio with him in that, in that moment. They said if they were, they would have been there to back him up because... Apparently that happened a lot in the studio with Nate would kind of have these crazy ideas and, you know, the other guys recognize that it works kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, I guess tempo shifts are a really rare thing in music, especially pop music. But, um, but you know, it's it works. It's used a lot, you know, I hear it in maybe not pop music kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. I mean, Radiohead have done it though, right, haven't they? Like, Yeah. Slightly. Uh, you know, Franz Ferdinand has that song that slows down. Right, yeah. So it can work in specific moments. Yeah, and yeah. It could be very cool. And it was it was funny how yeah Nate decided on that because it wasn't intentional like production technique. It was because he had written something 
that was a certain way and he wanted to keep that intact and mm-hmm. so yeah crazy um yeah so that and that's yeah. kind of one of the things that's um that i like to talk about is kind of nate is pretty he's pretty musical and he has a lot of great ideas mm. um but he doesn't really produce no yeah. You know, so he kind of needs the the help of these other artists to create these ideas and make them a reality. Yeah. And I think that's kind of interesting. Um, like, I think he has a lot of, like you were mentioning, a lot of crazy ideas, yeah. you know, big theatric ideas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know uh, where we want to tell this story, basically. I don't know what I'm, uh, what I'm saying, because basically the band broke up mm. after this album and Nate went on to use a lot of the songs that was going to be on the some on the third fun record yeah and he, he went solo mm. and basically the album flopped yeah and it's it's really reminiscent it sounds like a, it should have been a fun record mm. but it was missing like the production right yeah and so yeah so um yeah kind of backing up a little bit like yeah nate's approach is that He'll write things in his head. He's like, he says it's in his head a lot. Right. Which I don't know how he's able to remember <laughs> these ideas without getting them out super quick. You know, um, he said they'd be in his head for like a year before he records them or something. I mean, but Michael Jackson worked that way. You know, he didn't play any instruments, but he would like beatbox a lot, you know, to the producers. And, yeah. then, and that's how they'd figure out the beats and stuff like that. Uh, for Nate, I think when he's specifically working with uh, the other two guys in fun, he would, you know, just come in with the melody and the lyrics and the other guys would set the music to it, you know? Yeah. They would create the, the, yeah. the musical parts. And then when Jeff came involved in the second album, I th- you know, at least for that first track they wrote together, the other two guys weren't there. So I'm not sure how they integrated themselves into the rest of the process, but, but that's essentially the way he works. Right. And, and I also said that he likes to carry on like the narrative. So like he, he thinks about like, if he has an idea for a song, he'll know that that is like gotta be like the last track on the album. So he talks a lot about like how the other songs have to be written to like get to that moment basically mm-hmm. kind of thing. And he's also said like, you know, there's the last track on the last album and the first track on the first, the next album, he, he knows what the first track has to be about because he's kind of doing a continuation of the last thing right it's a really interesting way to work um and so it seems like he would have yeah done that by the end of this run you know some nights uh, this is there's a few things right they said about this like they first of all they said that they were all from different groups to start with and this was kind of a side project to start with right mm-hmm. and, and so they've kind of always said that they never split up they just on hiatus kind of thing yeah, they well, ended up yeah. making a like a statement for their fans and stuff. Yeah. Basically saying that, you know, we we we're not breaking up. We just want to make a record when we're inspired to make a record. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, there's a whole statement and you can look it up online. Maybe we should have read it on here, but um actually you have a snippet of it. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't I won't. I mean, the main it. yeah, the main sentiment like you said is they they're not doing this for the money, for the fame, they they make music when they're inspired to make it. At least I think that sentiment might have come more from Nate than from the other guys. Mm-hmm. I feel like, um, and Nate had said about that 
because they were so successful with that album, they had those two massive hits that uh, I think the label and the people around them wanted to like squeeze more as much out of that success as possible, you know? Yeah, and they, they said yeah. in that statement, like yeah. it would have been easy to make another album and capitalize on the success yeah. and all this momentum from some nights. Yeah. Um, but that's not, basically, I'm just paraphrasing, but that's not what the band is about. Right. And they don't want to just do that, like, yeah. I, I, it's it's a weird thing though because I think some of this, these storylines, like some people are saying that Nate is, um, you know, kind of got an ego, right? And yeah. he wanted most of the attention, yeah, from from fun, but he wasn't getting that full credit, <laughs> or that's how he felt at least. Yeah, I saw some people wrote on Reddit or somewhere that was like he was only getting ninety percent of the attention, but he wanted a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he left. It seems that we're, we're, because his, and I think this is why people th say that is because apparently they did have songs that they were going to do and they had studio time booked mm -hmm. and they were all pretty much ready to do a third album. But apparently, hey, hello, Blue Jay, what are they called? Uh, the Blue, Blue, Blue Angels. Blue Angels. <laughs> the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays. That's the baseball team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just here. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, he, uh, Nate basically said to the other band members that he didn't want to do it, I think, is what happened, you know. So they cancelled all the studio sessions and stuff. And he said, he, didn't, he said in a Rolling Stones interview that he was maybe a bit too emotional about it and it didn't go over well when he told the other two guys that he didn't want to do the third album. Right. So he was saying he was being very di diplomatic and saying I had this opportunity to do all of this stuff. And I think that's where the crux of where people think, oh, he's too big for his britches now and he wants to go off and do a solo career right. sort of thing, you know. I um, mean, it's interesting because right. I, I think they they had, they had were working on some other songs and they even debuted a new fun track on mm -hmm. like Jimmy Fallon. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, it's like the momentum was starting for the next record and, you know, they, they played it in front of people. Yeah. And then I think they had studio time booked for fun for the band, yeah. for the three of them. Yeah. And Nate kind of put himself in there and used that studio time mm. and worked on what would end up being his debut solo record. Yeah. And, you know, so like, what is that? I guess this, there's this whole idea of like piggybacking and, and yeah. other artists have done it. Yeah. Um, you know, where like the, the front man of a band becomes too big for their britches and they're like, oh, I'm going to. Yeah. I'm gonna do my own thing because I'm the I'm the popular one here. I'm the powerful one. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just gonna do my own solo thing. Yeah. Because it's it's me who the people love. His official statement that they said about this was that he'd written these songs, and he didn't he didn't want to share them. Like he didn't want to co-write them. He wanted to express what he because he these were very personal songs to him apparently, mm -hmm. and he wanted to express them himself. Um. And he said, like, working with producers that are not sort of like co-band members is an easier way to do that because you can kind of sort of direct them almost. He didn't say that, but that's basically what he meant, I think, you know. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's it's weird, you know. And so that album, his debut, his only solo album came out in 2015, right? Mm -hmm. And then yeah. he hasn't released anything since. And he basically disappeared and... He's done a few like features. Apparently, he was on like Eminem's eighth album. Like, I I don't know 
when when in what year that came out i should have looked that up i think like but, 2019 or something like that okay so so he's sort of done a few things he did a duet with pink i don't know when that mm-hmm. came out either he was on uh the that tv show the the voice apparently for like a little bit or okay it's like a i saw he said he was an advisor i don't know if he was on camera um for that but he also had a family but he yeah he did start a family after that got married in 2019 i think yeah and then he has two kids now yeah yeah and so there was like a, a video interview that came out of him a couple of years ago now um i didn't get a chance to watch it before this but one of the highlights from that is he apparently said that he considers himself retired from music uh, oh did he say that yeah yeah um and i looked checked out his um instagram and it's interesting apparently in like 20 2021 2022 they were going to do a reunion tour of the format his first band Mm -hmm. so you know it's strange like the 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 fun thing i they say officially there's no animosity there but we all kind of feel like there is (laughs) i think there yeah i think there is and they're being polite and they're not you know spilling the tea which is fine because maybe they want to leave the door open to you know mend bridges and come back together at some point yeah Um, but like you know jack Antonov, right? He, like you said, is a major songwriter now. He's done stuff for Taylor Swift, Lana Del Rey. Lord. Lord. He has a massive career. People have considered him to have had a massive influence on the sound of pop in the 2010s, which is crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah. super high praise. Yeah. And so he has this other project called The Bleachers. Right. And yeah. that's been like pretty much a great success. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of them until I started doing this research. Me neither. Yeah. But I think they have a, a solid following yeah big um, shows they get yeah, mm-hmm. yeah 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 touring and everything and and the music is pretty good i listened to a little bit of it last night right um and it's it's cool it's good stuff mm-hmm. and i think you know seeing the success of jack antonoff people now see in hindsight oh, okay that's where a lot of the production influence and kind yeah. of the greatness of that fun record came from yeah and obviously nate has a huge part in the the lyricism he he writes really good lyrics and he writes good hooks and stuff. Yeah. But it, it seems like they're a, a much more powerful duo and trio when they're yeah. working together. Uh, yeah. You know, because you can see Jack Antonoff's power yeah. working with this huge artist yeah, yeah. over and over again and massive success. Yeah. And then his own band, The Bleachers, yeah. success. So he's killing it. Yeah. And Nate tried his own music all by himself. Yeah. And basically that album flopped, like I said. Yeah. And then he, and then he, you know, semi-retired. Right. Yeah. Fell off the face of the earth a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Or just concentrating on other things, of course. Yeah. Like family, and that's all good. Sure, um, yeah. But it just—it seems like, I don't know, what a weird. It seems like he would have wanted to keep going, and he just couldn't because the, that album flopped or whatever, you know. Yeah. And maybe I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't know anything about this, but maybe people didn't want to work with him. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I did see other, you right. know, anecdotal evidence really? that that he is hard to work with or he's oh, like yeah. a douche or something like that really yeah so it yeah i don't want to speculate too much either yeah just passing on the information that i was reading other people say yeah yeah but there's definitely some kind of story there and yeah. it's kind of a it's kind of a sad story i guess because that album was really good some nights mm-hmm. and then everything kind of fell apart yeah um yeah. I, oh, go ahead. Yeah. i was just gonna say i think andrew 
has also been working. I think he has his own solo project. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly how successful it is, but I think he's also been like scoring for films. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's keeping busy and, and seeing success in his own right. And he wasn't uh, someone that really likes the limelight. And they said, you know, he didn't want to be a front man of anything, you know. Right. He's more of a behind the scenes sort of songwriter, producer, composer kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. But yeah, seeing how, how, uh, those two guys, Jack and Andrew, are very like great songwriters and producers in their own right. You know, it makes us realize how much impact they had on Fun. Right. You know? Yeah. And a lot of the interviews I've seen with Fun, it's always Nate talking about the songs and his songwriting process. I don't really hear too much from the other guys about how they're they're, they're talking about that stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, as big as they are and as good as they are, they must have had a really like you know big sort of presence on the writing of fun music in the production kind of thing. Definitely on yeah. the first album. Cause I think the first album they didn't have a third party producer, right? They did it all themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that was one of the other things people were saying that um, made Nate want to try to do his own thing um, because uh, Jack was never 100% into fun. Oh yeah. Like he had his other projects and he had his other musical interests yeah. and he wanted to, keep the lanes open to do those. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, 60% these, you know, open projects yeah. and 40% fun. Yeah. And Nate wanted everybody in the band to be 100% fun mm. and concentrate <laughs> on this. Yeah. And so he, and there's just, you know, another anecdotal yeah. piece of evidence. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of another reason why maybe Nate wanted to move on and, and try his own solo thing. Yeah. All those reasons sound legit yeah they're all plausible yeah i mean i don't want to say he's a douche but (laughs) and there's no but in that like i don't know i I don't know the guy (laughs) but But, no i don't know the guy i think a lot of people are upset that 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 fun hasn't done anything but that he hasn't done anything either like there are people that are really big fans of him and like in the youtube comments they're like oh he's released more music where did you go all Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff you know, so I don't really know. It would be interesting to watch that interview that he did a couple of years ago where he'd been out of the limelight for a few years at that point and was just kind of living a private life. Um, I, I should have watched it for this. Like, I didn't have the time. But you, <laughs> but I recommend people go find that because, you know, it would be interesting to see what his take is now kind of thing. Yeah. Because I, I understand quitting... Music, the music business because it's hard and you know there's so many things involved in that that you know whether you get to be doing your own artistic freedom or not or the business side all that kind of stuff um but i think if anyone like that truly loves music and make, likes making music you never quit it you know right so you know or maybe sometimes that happens you know i mean i didn't play music for seven years so i was doing other things but now I'm back into it. It's like I don't really want to take a break from it again. I want to, even if it means I don't, you know, do anything professionally with it. I still got to play, you know. Yeah, like, it's just it's yeah. just part of you. Yeah, the music so, yeah. flows through you. So I mean, I get people can go come jaded. I don't want to sing anymore. This whole thing ruined my life. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you've got that talent and that passion and the ability to write the songs that he's written, you know, you feel like there'll be a little bit of niggling. I want to get back to it. Well, mm-hmm. So maybe fun will come back. They haven't actually definitively closed the door. Right. 
but it has been over 10 years <laughs> since they've done anything, you know. But, I hope they do. I, I mean, think it'd be really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and I don't know, that's basically the end of the story. Um, leads For now. Up to the present. Yeah. Everyone, yeah, Nate's with his family, not in music. Yeah. Jack Antonoff's killing it. Andrew's killing it. Also, I didn't want to say, because Nate did date Jack's sister, right? Yeah. Do I, you think that had something to do with them breaking up? I, don't I, know. I know, that because that was around the time of some nights, I believe. Yeah, right. So just throwing that out there. I don't know if that adds a little bit of some kind of variable and drama that. and intrigue. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, let us know if, if, yeah. if people have more info on this. Um, you know, we just learned about all these stories this week because mm-hmm. basically before this week, I didn't know any of this, any of these kind of drama, drama no, storylines that had to do with this band. I just know that fun had these huge, awesome tracks. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's pretty intriguing because, what is interesting about music is how not only the collaboration collaborations between the artists and the art and the music that they're making, but like the business decisions and what direction we should go in mm. and how should decisions be made yeah. and what it means to all the individual band members. So, yeah. And, and if you don't want to do some of those things, you could come across as egotistical or whatever. Right. It's like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to put my music in this commercial or I don't want to, I don't want to do that performance on this tv show that's like lame you know yeah but then you come across as like oh you know you're being given these big opportunities and you mm-hmm. don't want to do it like, yeah <laughs> exactly you know yeah got a straight kind of you've got kind of straight stay true to your own inner kind of feeling about things though which is hard i think yeah know? but yeah and so yeah. and maybe that's what happened yeah. and i think that's what jack antonoff wanted to do and so he's given himself the opportunity to do that. And Nate had his chance to do it too. Yeah. They all did once, once fun broke up. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully they are all cool with each other. Hopefully, yeah. And hopefully they get back together one day because I think they can make some cool stuff. And it's funny because I see the last track we're going to play out with is called All Alone. Oh. So that's very sad. It's <laughs> <laughs> like did. Nate over in the corner. Without the two other guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. All alone. I don't know. Just, just him and his family. He's not alone, you know. No, he's not alone. No. So it's not too sad. No, it's but true. For the as far as the band fun goes, yeah. a little bit of a sad ending here. Yeah, first uh, not sad not, ending. Not, not too fun. First uh, artist we've covered that I haven't done anything for quite a while. Yeah, and possibly have broken up, but we don't know. Yeah. So anyway. That's all I got. I think that's the story. That's the story. I hope fun fans are out there that don't hate on us for this episode. Yeah, but, like um, I said, we just learned about all this this yeah, week. Yeah. And you know, we're just having a conversation about some of our thoughts about the situation. Yeah. But if you, I honestly like let us know if there's something that we said that was really dumb or <laughs> out of left field that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Or if there's some pertinent information that would, you know, change our mind about what what we're thinking about over here. We might do a follow-up part two. We've never done that before. Yeah. But we could might do. be well-deserved for this one. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's it for this week. Yeah. Reach the Grooves. Hit us up, guys, at uh, Instagram, Roots to Grooves. Twitter, or X, <laughs> at Roots to Grooves. YouTube, at Roots to Grooves. TikTok, at Signal Radio. Or uh, get in contact with us uh, directly. Jay's got the email. Roots to Grooves at SignalRadio.com, S-I-G-N-L-Radio.com. 
Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.